If I started murdering people, there'd be none of you left. We all go a little mad sometimes. Well, sometimes that is better. Welcome to the Podcast Cemetery. Welcome to Podcast Cemetery, where the dead walk and we talk. We are your hosts. I'm Kyler. And I'm Veronica. And today we're going to be talking about Ted Cruz. Ted fucking Cruz. Better known as uh, his other moniker, Zodiac Killer. And <laughs> not the president. <laughs> Thank God. No one wants that evangelical son of a bitch. He's a magical being. <laughs> um, this is going to be like a miniseries, I guess you could say. In the first part, we're going to be talking about the five confirmed kills. Yes. And in the second part, we're going to be going over suspects, copycat killers, conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. myths, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to start off with December 20th, 1968 at Lake Herman Road in Vallejo, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Faraday, 17, and Betty Lou Jensen, 16, were on their first date together going to Hogan High School for a Christmas concert that was only three blocks away from Betty Lou's house. Yeah. Um, around 11 p.m., a second car pulls up to their car, and it's suspected that the stranger that got out of the second car fired two warning shots into uh, the victim's car, one hitting the back passenger side window and another one going through the passenger side of the roof. And at that point, you're just fucking spooked. I, I would shit myself. <laughs> Some random guy pulls up and just unloads two rounds into my car. I am shitting my pants. You probably mid-bake out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Betty Lou exits the car and starts to run away. And as David is getting out of the car... The stranger puts a gun to his head and shoots David behind his right ear, killing him instantly. Dead. That was the first death. First Mm -hmm. kill. Uh, As Betty Lou is running, the killer fires five shots into the right side of her back. Uh, The stranger then gets in his car and just drives off. And nothing ever happened. These poor kids are just dead. Mm -hmm. Nobody has any idea who did it. And it's one of those things like, oh, parents go on the news. Please help find my killer mm-hmm. for my kids. The killer that killed my my kid. And that's a terrible situation. A bunch mm-hmm. of teenagers. It's a good way to start. Yeah. On a wonderful holiday season. Tis the season. <laughs> uh, around 11.20 p.m., a woman named Stella, I think you say the last name, Borges? Borgs? I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, happens upon the scene. And upon seeing the body in the car, she ran into um, Captain Daniel Pitta, uh, who got to the scene around 11.28 p.m. Betty was found 28 feet away from the car and pronounced dead upon the um, police officer's arrival. She did not get far. Uh, no, not at all. David actually was still alive, being shot in the head, still alive when the officer got there. But he was pronounced dead just after midnight at Vallejo Hospital. Uh, At the scene of the crime, upon investigation, 10 bullet casings were found. 10 rounds of 22 caliber shells, and the brand was Super X. Uh, That was probably the best Christmas present. Oh, God. For the killer, yeah. (laughs) Dear Santa, all I want this Christmas is to murder some teens. Teenagers. (laughs) Unsuspecting teenagers. Uh, We're going to fast forward to 1969. It's a little while later. The summer of love. Mm. (laughs) Drugs. LSD. (laughs) Woodstock's happening. Music. Jimi Hendrix is ripping on his guitar. Nudity. (laughs) War. (laughs) On the 4th of July, 
in Blue Rock Springs, parked about four miles away from the Lake Herman incident. Mm. Close, close range. Mm -hmm. Darlene Elizabeth Farron, who is 22 and married. Very much so married. <laughs> Very much so. On record marriage. Mm -hmm. Has a husband. Is traveling with Michael Renald Megu? Megu, I think is how you Magu? say his name. Uh, who was 19. Ooh, she's cougaring it up. <laughs> she's cougaring it up. A few minutes after they park, three cars pull up and some asshole kids get out and light off some firecrackers. Well, it is the 4th of July. You're mm -hmm. going to have some fun. Apparently, they were there to have some fun. Oh, yeah. Parked alone in a car. They were ready. It was getting, it was getting, they were getting there. They were going to do some things. <laughs> this is before Ashley Madison when you had to actually go out and find your affairs. Yeah, you had to look for that person <laughs> and they chose uh, somebody significantly younger. Mm hmm. Well, after lighting off the uh, firecrackers, the three cars and the teams, pants got pulled up. The pants got pulled up. <laughs> the. Uh, three cars full of teens drives off, and only five minutes later, a second car pulls up to the um, backside, or I'm sorry, to the driver's side of, it was uh, Darlene's car, actually. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't really figure out if it was a brown Chevy Corvair, which is the same car as Darlene's, or a Ford Mustang. It was very different, though. I, I guess. But... It's not super similar of a car. Yeah. <laughs> the build is different. One is louder. Mm -hmm. uh, only after a minute or so, the car that pulled up next to them turned their lights back on and drives off. And only five minutes after that, same car comes back and parks about Let's 10 just feet. recognize the emotion that went through their head. It probably thought that that person was just a perv. Oh, wanting to yeah. creep on some people banging oh, yeah. some in a parking lot or something like that. Just wanting to watch people fuck in their car, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which would have creeped me out. And I probably would have bailed after that. Mm -hmm. But they had some balls and they stayed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Only after uh, five minutes of the second car leaving, it comes back up and parks about 10 feet behind Darlene's car. And a unknown person exits the car carrying what is referred to as a high-powered flashlight, one of those really big sons of bitches mm -hmm. that has a handle on it, looks mm. like you're carrying a lunchbox. Mm. <laughs> Ones that you always have to have in your house because your power goes out. Emergency mm. flashlights. Uh, because of the person's demeanor, Michael actually started to pull out his personal identification, thinking that the uh, stranger was a cop. I mean, most likely I would, too. That's just your normal common sense kicking in. But plot twist. No. That's a plot When twist. the stranger gets up to the car, he ends up firing five shots through the passenger side window, mm -hmm. hitting Michael and Darlene. A few of the rounds actually went through and through Michael into Darlene. Mm. Which means he was close. He was in window range. Absolutely. He, uh, point blank. Mm -hmm. Absolutely point blank range. He could possibly even have that gun, as to say, even through the window in the car. Mm-hmm. That's... Yeah, he was no more than three feet away from them. Mm -hmm. No more. But uh, during the scuffle, Michael actually jumped to the back seat of the car. As the stranger was walking away. Yes, as he was walking away, but he ended up hearing Michael's uh, struggling, I guess Probably, because like, he's been shot and still trying to run away. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back. The killer comes back. I gotta finish the job. Fires two more rounds into each victim, one of them hitting Michael in the knee. Mm -hmm. About 40 minutes later, police dispatcher Nancy Slover received a call from a payphone near a gas station. And the person on the phone said as follows. I want to report a double murder. If you go one mile east on Columbus Parkway to the park, you will find the kids in a brown car. They were shot with a 9mm Luger. And almost as an afterthought, he goes... There was a pause. There was a bit of a pause, and he goes, Oh, I also killed those kids last year. And the way he ends the call, he literally goes, Goodbye. Almost like he was singing it. It's weird. When you hear the audio, it's such a weird mm -hmm. it's nuance ominous. to it. It's ominous. Mm -hmm. It's very 
like when you first hear it, you're like, oh, this is like a standard nine one one call, and yeah. then the end of it kind of shins like shivers down your spine. You're like, oh, what the fuck was yeah, that? Yeah, so you get that call. For, poor Nancy, as <laughs> I could never be a police dispatcher. No. I could never be on the phone and just hear. Kudos to all the police dispatchers. I yes, you you all nine one one operators much stronger than us, mm-hmm. <laughs> much st- emotionally stronger than us. Um, not too long after, after officers Richard Hoffman and Ed Rust arrive to the scene and find Michael outside the car alive. Mm-hmm. Probably barely. But unfortunately, Darlene was unconscious behind the wheel and died around 12.30 a.m. at Kaiser Hospital. Okay. Now, here's an interesting thing. On July 31st, 1969, only a few weeks after... Mm-hmm. The shooting, the Vallejo Times-Herald receives a letter. Yes. And this letter states as follows. Dear Editor, I am the killer of the two teens last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl last 4th of July. To prove this, I shall state some facts which only I and the police know. Christmas. 1. Brand name of ammo. Super X. 2. 10 shots fired. 3. Boy was on back, feet to the car. Four. Girl was lying on right side, feet to west. Fourth of July. Girl was wearing patterned pants. Two. Boy was also shot in knee. Three. Brand name of ammo was Western. Here is a cipher, or that is part of one. The other two parts have been mailed to SF Examiner and SF Chronicle. I want you to print this cipher in your front page by Fry afternoon, August 1-9. If you do not do this, I will go on a killing rampage Fry night that will last the whole weekend. I will cruise around and pick off all stray people or couples that are alone and move on to kill some more until I have killed over a dozen people. If anybody doesn't know, the SF for SF stands for San Francisco. Yes, um, all of this takes place in the uh, California... California. I forgot mm. to mention that at the start. Mm-hmm. And the SF stands for San Francisco Chronicles, mm-hmm. which is their, I guess, newspaper production yeah. office headquarters, um, which is considered to be the like Vallejo region. They're all very close quarters. They're all in. Yes. They're like, all very communicative. They're like, it's like a it's bunch very of small little group. towns all together that share the same operations. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, the same day, parts two and three of the cipher arrived at the San Francisco Chronicle, Chronicle and San Francisco Examiner. Mm-hmm. And they all immediately mm-hmm. contacted each other. Just out of the sheer fact, like, hey, we got this. And it's so funny because I'm sure they were like, oh, well, we got this too. Mm-hmm. And they distributed it between each other. Yep. And I think it was what the San Francisco Chronicles that put out all of uh, yeah. the ciphers. I-, I believe so. And three separate parts. I, I can't remember. They but took those... all parts, all the parts, and put them into one paper that everybody received. Yeah, those three parts collectively are known as the 408 cipher because each one contained 136 characters. Mm -hmm. Some of those characters being legitimate letters in the English alphabet and some of them just being these odd-looking symbols. Mm -hmm. And they all mash mash all three of them on one paper Mm -hmm. so that when you, as a person reading the paper or as a pedestrian, saw it, you saw it in order. One, two, and three... Because ultimately they all added up into one paragraph or page of writing. Mm-hmm. On August 4th, the next month, exactly one month after the second incident, the San Francisco Examiner receives a letter. And this letter is referred to the, this is the Zodiac speaking letter. Mm-hmm. And the letter states. Had the cipher been solved yet at that point? No. It was still, what, running in the newspaper? Uh, were they still running it? I can't remember if they were still running it at this point. I'd imagine it's still pretty hot news because it's only four days later. Because mm-hmm. this is um, this is unheard of around this time. 
Oh, yeah. Around this time, serial killers are... Uncommunicative. Almost a non-existent thought in the collective consciousness of people. Yeah, and I mean, even if they were around, they weren't communicating with mm -hmm. the public. They didn't want the attention. Absolutely. They wanted to be under the covers in the shadow of night mm -hmm. doing their business. This was the first person that was like, I want my name in writing. I want the recognition for the shit that's about to go down. Yeah. Uh, the This is the Zodiac speaking letter is as follows. This is the Zodiac speaking. In answer to your asking for more details about the good times I had in Vallejo, I should be very happy to supply even more material. By the way, are the police having a good time with the code? This smug motherfucker. I know, he was so satisfied with himself. He is just sitting Content. back, relaxing, kicking all cool, shooting some people outside of the school. Mm-mm. <laughs> if not, tell them to cheer up. When they do crack it, they will have me. On the 4th of July, I did not open the car door. The windows rolled down already. The boy was originally sitting in the front seat when I began firing. When I fired the first shot at his head, he leaped backwards at the same time, thus spoiling my aim. He ended up on the back seat, then the floor in the back, thrashing out very violently with his legs. That's how I shot him in the knee. I did not leave the scene of the killing with squealing tires and racing engine as described in the Vallejo paper. I drove away quietly and slowly as not to draw attention to my car. That shows signs that he was reading the newspaper about himself. Oh, of course And he had he to re-justify. He was like, first of all, I'm slightly pissed and I'm going to tell you that you're fucking wrong. Yeah. Um, I want you to put it in the paper how it actually happened. Yeah, I, I want, want everyone to know how calm, cool, and collected I yeah, was. Yeah, that I'm just, I fucking pulled my seat back and leaned back and low road away. This like, is narcissism on a whole new Oh, God, level. absolutely. Very, 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 very. Mm -hmm. The man who told police that my car was brown was a Negro, about 40 to 45, rather shabbily dressed. I, w I was in this phone booth having some fun with the Vallejo cop when he was walking by. When I hung the phone up, the damn thing began to ring, and that drew his attention to me and my car. Mm. Last Christmas, in that episode, the police were wondering how I could shoot and hit my victims in the dark. They did not openly state this, but implied this by saying that it was a well-lit night. I could see the silhouettes on the horizon. Bullshit. That area is surrounded by high hills and trees. What I did was take a small pencil flashlight to the barrel of my gun. If you notice in the center of the beam of light, if you aim it at a wall or ceiling, you will see a black or dark spot in the center of the circle of light, about three to six inches across. When I taped to a gun barrel, or when taped to a gun barrel, the bullet will strike in the center of the black dot in the light. All I had to do was spray them as if it was a water hose. There was no need to use the gun sights. I was not happy to see that I did not get front page coverage. And on the bottom, yes. on the bottom of the letter was the uh, famous or infamous rather symbol. Mm -hmm. The um, the target. The target. Well, it's the an off center. The crosshairs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He um. It was on, I think it was page four of the yes, paper. Yes, they, he specifically requested prior to that front page, mm -hmm. and they, I know that there was some kind of motive behind that. They wanted either to grab his attention more, mm -hmm. or they just really didn't give a shit, yeah. because they put him on page four, and as he sounds as mm -hmm. what we know what he is like just by reading the stuff he's written the calls he is very very <laughs> big-headed mm -hmm. and for you to put that man on page four probably mm -hmm. infuriated him oh yeah like i said this is narcissism at its finest he probably like, picked up the paper and saw he was on page four and shredded it to pieces in anger eating his wheaties and slamming his fists on his oh my god table, no he was so everywhere. he was probably so furious yeah he the, page four for that man was like <laughs> does no how dare you you swine yeah, there was probably a very dramatic reaction to seeing that. Oh, so he God, had yeah. to come back in and be like, oh, by the way, I know you put me on page four when I specifically mm -hmm. requested front page. You sons of bitches. There was no front page media on me, and I'm very, very angry with you. Like, I killed three people. Mm -hmm. And this is what 
This you is do? fourth page worthy? I don't think so. <laughs> At least front page. At least front page. I know. Uh, turns out that four days later after receiving the This is the Zodiac speaking letter. Mm -hmm. Which first... is when he finally got his name. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, he already had been named by the papers, the police he, department. This is one of the very few times where someone can give themselves a nickname mm -hmm. and it sticks. Mm -hmm. What was he, what were they calling him um, prior to that? I, I can't remember. I, unfortunately, I didn't write it down. Because most killers just had names given to them. Yeah, like before um, the Night Stalker landed on Richard Ramirez. <laughs> so dumb. He was known, one of his um, monikers was the Screen Door Killer. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> because he ro like he robs people. Mm -hmm. And like, everybody was like, oh man, like you can come in through your screen door, like, you you better put like lock your door. Mm -hmm. Like, he's gonna cut through your screen door. Like, I'm sure he had a name and he was given something and he just was not happy with that. He was like, I need mm -hmm. front page and yep. I need a legitimate title. Yeah. Very, um, for, for somebody who goes around murdering people, he's a lot of request. Oh, yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> when you become a serial killer, usually you just stick it out and ride the wave. This man was like, mm -hmm. I'm going to make the waves. This is goddamn Christmas list. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, four days after the San Francisco Examiner received the letter, the first part of the cipher was solved mm -hmm. by Donald, Jean, and Betty Hardin, who were both of them history teachers? I don't know if it was both or one. But um, I know Donald definitely was a history They had teacher, a teaching education. Mm -hmm. They were either, they were teachers, they both had college degrees, they were well-established yeah. couple. Um, somebody that makes sense of doing that. Like, I, you know... Yeah, they had the... I think it was the police force had people who were trained mm -hmm. in coding and ciphers and things like that on this, and they couldn't crack it. Yes. And it was cracked by two average, everyday people. Teachers, two working-class heroes. <laughs> Which, so, I mean, at the same time, it makes sense. Like, I could see that. You're an educator... Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure they had to decipher poor handwriting and, for a living. And this was their thing. They they loved puzzles mm -hmm. as the couple. They loved doing puzzles. That was their one of their biggest hobbies. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, once you get to that age, you end up enjoying the monotonous mm -hmm. things in life. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> that's puzzles are one of them. They probably had pages and pages of Sudoku. Like, oh, yeah. You know it. But when they And when you solved... see something in the newspaper... Like a puzzle, a crossword, or something, and you you're like that. You know you're gonna do it. You know you're gonna sit down mm -hmm. in the morning and you're gonna do it. When they solved the cipher, it read, "I like killing people because it is so much fun. So much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all. To kill something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl." I imagine that he hasn't done that too much. Probably. If, <laughs> and he, if he has he does, not in a while. If he does, it was probably forceful. Forceful? <laughs> non-requested, non-consensual. <laughs> the best part of it is that when I die, is that... Oh, I'm sorry. The best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise. Paradise. He spells everything wrong. You guys, if you guys haven't seen anything that he's written... Mm -hmm. He spells everything wrong. Which a lot of serial killers will do that purposefully. So don't... I promise Kyler can read. I can. It's just, he genuinely... The Zodiac did not spell things correctly. Yes, and I want to... Um, a majority of our research came from ZodiacCiphers.com. If you want to know more about the Zodiac than what we are explaining... Mm -hmm. I highly recommend the site. It mm -hmm. is incredibly organized, incredibly written. There are so many little details mm -hmm. that, that are included in that it. I couldn't find anywhere else. But the rest of the cipher reads: uh, the best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise, and all the people I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down 
or stop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife. E-B-E-O-R-I-E-T-M-E-T-H-H-P-I-T-I. Mm-hmm. Complete fucking gibberish at the end. Oh, yeah. The end is just a, like a montage of just letters. And this led to some controversy within the investigation. Because some people think that this man was a code writing expert. Mm-hmm. But that last string of letters at the end, some people say it was a way of throwing off police. Adding extra letters in. And some people think that this man was just an absolute idiot. A nutcase. And that's why the final two parts of the cipher are still unsolved to this day. Mm -hmm. Because I would say that you could probably make six four to six words out of those letters uh-huh. and it it either was him being an absolute genius and throwing that in there so that they spent so much time trying to debunk and solve those letters wasting a lot of time that wasn't necessary even though he just put them in there randomly and he actually had no meaning or it meant something and he was just bonkers mm-hmm which, either way, honestly, probably helped his case. Oh, immensely. Because he was either an evil genius and very smart about it, or... Or it dumb as a box of fucking rocks. And he just didn't, didn't know that he, he was doing that. He didn't know what he was doing. It's yeah. a... It's a um, I, I think it's called a replacement cipher, where each character, each letter, is replaced with a letter in the alphabet. Mm-hmm. So, once you figure out... Uh, what one symbol means, what one letter means in the cipher, you can figure out the rest of it by replacing all of those letters with or replacing all of those letters or those symbols with a letter from the English alphabet. Mm. And at this point there was curfews Mm -hmm. set in the area because everything had happened at night. There was no evening or day killings. So there was the city curfew law that was in place, which happens a lot. Um, which is reasonable because everybody was scared absolutely shitless. Everybody in their teens and early 20s. Yep. Um, I'm sure parents were not even letting their kids do... Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Hide your husband. <laughs> not even letting their kids do just after school activities. They were probably getting them home at 4 or 5 o'clock. Just oh, yeah. absolutely fearful. It, it, it was... It was a very stressful time for the San Francisco area around, mm-hmm. around this time. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the police department was just slammed. I can imagine, since him being such a ghost in the shadows at this point, that people were, like, calling in, that's him, I swear to God I saw him, you have your crazy backyard Joes being like, I talked to him. No, probably not. Yep. (laughs) But, you know, they get those calls. So. Yeah, and that goes back to the thing that we said in our first episode, where it's possible for everyone to be wrong. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, the month after the cipher was cracked on September 27th, 1969, Brian Harthel and Cecilia Shepard are having a little picnic at Lake, at Lake Berryessa. Mm-hmm. And he was very professional, man. Mm-hmm. He was higher educated as, um, and I'm sure they were just a cute couple. They were just yeah, having absolutely. a good time. Most people nowadays are like, let's spend more time outdoors. Who doesn't love a In uh, San picnic? Francisco in the late 60s, early 70s, nobody wanted to spend time outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever been to California, but I have. and it Yeah, I have. It is so beautiful out there. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. so beautiful. Well, especially... depending on where you are, certain places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're on the complete opposite coast, but yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was when the evening curfew was kind of shoddy at this point because crazy shit was about to go down. Mm -hmm. That evening curfew was kind of probably pulled a lot earlier because like I'd mentioned before, at this point there were no midday or evening murders. But. That all changed real fast. Oh, real fucking fast. Mm -hmm. This is one of my... I can't say it's my favorite because people are going to take it wrong. (laughs) This is probably the The most most intriguing. Yes. It's so weird. It's just over the top. Just so nuts. Well, as Brian and Cecilia were having their 
PB and J's and everything. Some wine. A stranger emerges, and this is where we get the iconic image. Mm -hmm. He is wearing a black hood with clip-on sunglasses over the hood, and a bib with the infamous zodiac symbol mm -hmm. in, in the white chest, paint. on the front, mm -hmm. in his chest region, and he's wearing all black. Mm -hmm. um, what they say was probably like a military cargo pant. Yes. Um, a long sleeved shirt and a jacket. And let's might I add you, it's still like almost the summer. Mm -hmm. And he's like dressed in Southern California. Yeah, and he's dressed in multiple layers, fully covered head to toe, gloves, boots, hoods. And he just and they were off the path. They were over there by the lake. You're telling me that this man got out of his car, which was probably a public parking, and walked over there, and nobody, like, walked past him and mm -hmm. was like, whoa, what the hell? Like, yeah. whoa, excuse me? And Like I said, if you want more information, go to ZodiacCypress.com. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing website. But the stranger ends up, or I guess we can refer to him as the Zodiac now. Yeah, it's now he's now the Zodiac. Zodiac points a gun and at And he's Brian wearing his Cecilia. symbol proudly. Mm-hmm. And he actually claimed to be an escaped convict from Deer Lodge, Montana. Yeah, because she made she locked eyes on him first. Yep. And that's why he addressed her initially. Because and, uh, um he had not noticed her. I mean he had mm. not noticed him. She noticed. But also, like, I'm sure she was a woman, she was on high alert and sees a man all dressed in black <laughs> coming at her. She's like and makes eye contact with him. So that's why he addressed her. Mm -hmm. Uh, Zodiac actually claimed to have killed a guard and stole a car on his way out. Of yeah, his just escape. fucking escaped an asylum. <laughs> uh, he, with the gun pointed at them, he asked for Brian's keys and wallet. Mm -hmm. and which was thrown in his general direction. Mm -hmm. He just you gave it. don't want to walk up to this person. Mm -mm. They are both, I think at this point, either sitting up, standing, but he had pulled out his wallet and his keys and threw them at him. Mm -hmm. And which I think he did actually pick up. Yeah. And and hold on to. Uh, Zodiac then pulled out a plastic clothesline and told Cecilia to tie up Brian. Mm -hmm. After that, Cecilia came over and actually hogtied Cecilia himself. Mm -hmm. And then he went over to Brian and found out Cecilia was being a little sneaky-sneaky. Which most likely I would, anybody I would. I definitely would. Mm hmm And find out that Cecilia was just a doing little some, sloppy. She was doing some bum nodding on him. And find out, and he found out that Brian's ligatures were fairly loose. Very poorly done. He ended up hog-tying Brian. Mm-hmm. He probably was very angry. Mm-hmm. There were probably some words under his breath. You fucking idiot. <laughs> Stop, bitch. So mad. Stupid, you can't even tie a knot. Which, I don't understand why... Like, why would you ask the other person to tie up? Because obviously they're going to do a shitty job. Oh, yeah, especially if you know that they might be your scapegoat. In a way, it makes sense. In a way, it doesn't. Because I think in his head, he's thinking, if I'm busy tying up one person, the other one's going to come for me. Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to do... <laughs> so the other one tied up first, and yes. then me go in second. I think, the, in a way, it makes sense. In a way, it's like... He thought he had even... it planned out perfectly. It didn't... It wasn't perfect. I, I gotta think that maybe he was expecting that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But while Brian is hogtied, he actually asks Zodiac if the gun's loaded, at which point he pulls the clip out. And shows him. And shows him. And it is full to the max. Pulls it out. And puts it in this man's face. That's another shit your pants moment. Like, I, like, completely takes the clip out. And just, I'm sure, right up to his fucking face. To where he could smell mm -hmm. the metal. And was like, you believe me now, motherfucker? Oh, yeah. You you thought you could question me? Mm -hmm. Like, are you kidding me? After he shows him the clip, Zodiac pulls out a knife. Has a, Brian. might I add you, has a fully loaded gun, pulls out a knife. This is smart, though, for a serial killer. This is smart. Switching up methods. That's what Richard Ramirez did. That's why It is, but at the so same time, like, I understand at that point the gun is just backup. 
Mm. It's just extra. It's for need. You didn't want to really use it. It's his megaphone. Yeah. And I mean, like, if you're coming at somebody in the distance, in the broad daylight, mm. having a gun pointed at them is much more intimidating than having a knife pointed at them. Mm-hmm. Because if I had a gun pointed at me in broad daylight, you bet my ass I'm running and I can't even run. Mm-hmm. You bet my ass I'm going to bolt. <laughs> and having a gun with somebody who's going to bolt is reasonable. Absolutely. You can take them out at a distance. If you have a knife, then you're going to be pulling a Jason Voorhees. And then you're going to be <laughs> running after people. And that's not always practical when no. you're a real-life serial killer. But he ends up stabbing Brian six times and stabbing Cecilia ten. Mm, I don't know what his vendetta is against women. But Brian did something very smart at this point. He was still alive after being stabbed six times. Yes. He played dead. Oh, yeah, he did. He oh, hell yeah, dead. he did. Which, I kudos, I don't think I would have that much sense at this point. No, no, he was very logical about this. Very smart. Tactical. Mm-hmm. That was That was good. That was good. Absolutely. Uh, Brian actually ended up loosing up his ligature and climbed up the hill. This man has six stab wounds. In the back. In the back. Probably a blown out lung, collapsed lung. all over the place. Mm-hmm. Climbs up a hill and finds park ranger Dennis Land. Uh, authorities arrive and upon inspection of the car is written. It has been etched, painted mm-hmm. on the side of their car. Yeah, of the victim's car. Of the victim's car, which I don't know if it was his car or if it was her car. Or if it was a couple car. But it was their car and it was on the side of their car. Mm-hmm. Which, I he had their keys. I don't know if he went in it. We don't know if he ever yeah. entered the vehicle. But he, I guess, n- knew where to go. Because he did have the keys in his hand. Mm-hmm. And he probably, you know, tested some doors there and I'm found sure out since, that it was... Since they were alone at the park, it's probably pretty obvious which car's there. It's yeah. the only one there. I mean, there could have been a bomb, broke down car. <laughs> Having the key benefited him, because he could go up to doors yeah. and see what it unlocked. Yeah. But on the passenger door of the car was written, Vallejo, 122068. 7-4-69. September... 27, 69, 6.30, by knife. Mm-hmm. He wrote down each of his murders, even as far as to write the time of the act that he just committed. Mm-hmm. And above all the words was, yet again, the infamous Zodiac symbol. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Cecilia had succumbed to her injuries two days later in the hospital. Which is funny, because it's very... It's noticeable at this point that not many of his victims die on the scene. Oh, no. And that's one thing that I I guess at one point the... They either live or they die in the hospital or on the way to the hospital. At one point before this, the papers had suspected that he was a great marksman, which is a crock of shit. Well, he also tried to justify himself by saying he was a great marksman mm-hmm. because he does if you read what he had written the second time around having yeah. his justification he's like i would have had my shot mm-hmm. if he didn't try to move away from me yeah which is also him justifying himself as a good shot like he's saying in his he says that like Oh, um, um, where he was talking about the, um, pencil light attached to his gun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even before that, when he was talking about, um, how he shot the kid, he's like, he ended up in the back seat. He goes, well, he was moving away from me, which yeah, messed he was up struggling my shot. And that's how he got shot in the knee. Yeah. Well, he messed up my shot. Like mm-hmm. I would have been on, it would have been on par if he didn't start to move, which yeah. if you're a great marksman, you would think that you would take into consideration of somebody yeah. moving or some, mm-hmm. your target dodging uh, and not only that is that he has two survivors at this point he either is very confident in himself Mm -hmm. or he's an idiot (laughs) 
which it's yeah like if you know if you want to rub in people's faces that you're a great marksman Mm -hmm. all marksmen know that a living target has the ability to either flee the scene go away from you or like do some kind of tactical movement because we're all we're all like flight or fight instinct absolutely and he should have taken that into consideration and saying if he didn't move i would have gotten him like might i add you most people's instinct would be to get away oh absolutely he's like no he ruined my shot you you would have taken that into consideration don't, if you were don't a great make marksman. Up excuses for no. your piss poor. Don't actions. yeah, don't he he's making them excuses. He's like, no, he moved out of the way. <laughs> That's like when you hit a dartboard. Somebody's not gonna move your dartboard. It's not it's a moving target. Blaming, it's the same as blaming misspelled words on your pencil. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so stupid. He's like, well, if my victim wasn't moving around so fucking much, he would have been dead. He would have died. <laughs> even though he's a conscious living being that's trying to not get shot. Right? Just like how inconsiderate that he moves away from my gun. This pointed at him. <laughs> the nerve. The gall. Stupid. <laughs> uh, the next month, about two weeks later, taxi cab driver Paul Stein, who's 29, mm-hmm. picks up a man at the corner of Madison and Geary Street around 9.45 p.m. Mm-hmm. As Paul pulls up to the destination around Washington and Terry Street, the passenger shoots Paul in the right side of his head. Mm-hmm. This one is different from the others. Quite different. Because mm-hmm. this man was alone, singular. Yep. It was the first incident where it wasn't a couple. Yeah. And he was also a man, I guess you could say, like a working man. Like, most of these people were on some kind of, they were not only couples, but they were doing some kind of leisurely activity. Lover's lane kind of stuff. Yeah. Just, and not only that, but it was a different gun from the previous two. Oh, yeah, no. um, It's been established that that man had infinite This is one of the things that had the Zodiac killer remain and still remaining anonymous, different, different MO, different, different weapons, different bullets, every time, never the same brand of bullets, never the same guns, different, but like, well, if he, I think if he would have murdered one more couple, Mm -hmm. he might have gotten his ass busted. I, I really don't know at this point, but this honestly just doing this derailed the crimes significantly absolutely i think there was a train that had a destination yep until this point um just trying just give me like two seconds here i'm just trying to get my stuff in order for what i need he doesn't take notes like a madman like i do i listen i this has been one of the most labor-intensive research things I have ever done. I don't even think I've researched this much stuff when I was in school. My, As I said in the last episode, at this point, my brain is melted. (laughs) Just complete mush inside my head. Um, on October 13th in 1969, the San Francisco Chronicle released, or I'm sorry, not released, received a letter. This letter actually contained a piece of, um, Paul Stein, Paul Stein's shirt, mm-hmm. a piece of Paul Stein's bloody shirt, mm-hmm. which it, I don't know if we mentioned, I don't think we did, but how it went down, mm-hmm. this, the act, the crime, was he had gotten in this cab and sat behind the driver's seat. Yeah. And he had actually arrived at the destination that he was actually supposed to be dropped off at. Mm-hmm. And then at the time when the car was at park... When he had parked the car, the cab driver, 
he had shot him in the back of the head. Yeah. From behind him in the back seat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't even imagine working on an evening doing your normal job mm-hmm. and then just picking up some random guy and then just getting blasted in the back of the skull. But Paul Stein had actually died. This was also his first victim that had died on the scene. Yeah. He had died probably seconds or minutes after the gunshot wound. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had gone as far as leaving evidence in the cab mm-hmm. and also taking the time to cut this man's shirt off of his body. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, I. He had collected his own little... Mm-hmm. Little souvenirs. Little souvenirs. And also leaving evidence. He left... The shell was found mm-hmm. on the scene. Um, gloves yeah. that he had worn to shoot and kill this cab driver were in the back seat where he had actually sat his ass. And the door was open because he had opened the door and gone in through the driver's seat to cut mm-hmm. this man's shirt so that he could collect his own souvenir. Yeah. He had spent probably a total of like 15 minutes at his own crime scene just fiddling around it and doing things. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was setting things up. I know he was definitely preparing things for, you know, cutting the shirt and sending it off. He knew what he was going to do with that. Yeah. But, like, don't you think you would have rationalized? Like, I don't know if he took his gloves off before he cut his shirt or if he, like, cut his shirt with the gloves on and then left his gloves, if that was a purposeful act. Mm-hmm. But he left... This is the first time he has left legitimate evidence uh, yeah, of he, himself at the crime scene. Absolutely. And I I just don't know what the thought process was in that. It was very, it seemed like it was very erratic, but also very rational. Like there was thought mm-hmm. and then also there was a lot of impulse acts. Yeah. I don't think he had the intention originally of cutting the shirt up. I think that was one of those moments where it was... I need, I need this. I need to do this. Mm-hmm. I need to reinforce some kind of fear into the world. Yeah. Um, or something or another. Um, but there was, and also he left the door open, mm-hmm. which in that case, when he left the door open and he'd cut a shirt, Paul Stein was hanging out of his own cab. Mm-hmm. And while he was hanging out of his own cab, was still bleeding and when the police had showed up to the crime scene the door was open this man was hanging half ass out of the car Mm -hmm. and also bleeding all into the road and and wasn't the 911 call out of the sheer fact that somebody saw a man leave a cab and stand around like he was standing on the side of the road or something like that yeah someone that there was a man Waving a gun, mm-hmm. something along those lines. Standing on the side of the road next to a cab, waving mm-hmm. a gun around. That's the only reason the police was called. It wasn't like somebody being like, oh my God, there's like a cab driver hanging out of his vehicle that's been there for 45 minutes. Yeah. It was like, I saw this big, large man waving mm-hmm. a gun around on the side of the road. Yeah. It's, <laughs> um, in this letter that he had sent the San Francisco Chronicle, like I said, in just like a way to... Ins- it was a power move to send a piece of Paul's shirt. Mm -hmm. In the same letter, he, um, (laughs) he made a threat about blowing up a school bus full of children. Mm -hmm. Uh, the excerpt from that reads, I think I shall wipe out a school bus some morning, just shoot out the front tire and then pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out. And then sent a diagram. Yes. Behind that page. And, a diagram of what people, well, what the police force mm-hmm. now recognize and had recognized as possibly a diagram of a bomb build. Mm-hmm. I think he called it the death machine. Mm-hmm. Which was, I don't think they actually ever certified it as a bomb. It mm-hmm. could have actually been a bomb, but what they were assuming was a 
like a blueprint of the build of a bomb. Yeah. And in, in the letter, I think he, like we said, he writes a lot of things wrong. Mm. Like in the first letter when he says, when he writes Christmas, he writes it as two words. He writes it as Christ mass. mass. With but two as mass. In the death machine letter, he writes ammonium nitrate fertilizer perfectly. Mm, which is a serious fucking word that I couldn't even probably spell off the top of my head. It's a, he, ah. And his handwriting was chicken scratch. God, goddamn illegible. And I don't know how they read that shit. I, I have no idea. It, it it amazes me that these letters were even Bless you, transcribed. I, yeah, it was. It's <laughs> it's definitely a hard read. It's it hurts the eyes. It hurts the brain. Mm -hmm. And then also trying to verbalize it when everything is misspelled, you read it as the misspelling, which is even more of a traumatic experience. As I struggled through reading them myself. And what he had done as far as cutting the shirt, he had shot this man in the head, but he cut pieces of a shirt from the lower half of the shirt. Mm -hmm. He didn't cut it off the collar mm -hmm. where there was heavy blood stain. He cut it to where there was like Just a, little. a little sprinkle of blood on the <laughs> corner or a little dribble of blood that had finally reached the bottom, mm -hmm. which means he waited there yeah. for a couple of minutes to let this man bleed out, mm -hmm. to add the dramatic fucking effect of just sending a shirt with a little piece of blood on it. Is 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 a, a very dramatic, very theatrical. Oh yeah, he wanted the flair. Making up the story about how he escaped from Deer Lodge, Montana. Oh my god, that scared the hell out of me. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> a clip clip that we use to um stabilize our equipment yeah it just exploderated it jumped off and almost bit me <laughs> little girl fear talking about serial killers <laughs> got a spook uh, it wasn't the movement that scared the shit out of me it was the noise it was so loud oh my god <laughs> yeah those were the um those were the five attacks or four attacks actually well yeah because two people lived yeah two also. people lived there was Five. four it was um five confirmed dead five confirmed dead two injuries two injured and possibly and i quote from the investigation team 20 to 28 dead mm -hmm. but claimed in his he has claimed mm -hmm. 37 which that, which is a fucking weird number but no that always happens with serial killers mm -hmm. serial killers all the time will boost up their numbers yes so the police department think possibly investigation teams and police departments think possibly 20 to 28 which you would say 20 to 28 is a reasonable you know it's reasonable it's, it's still a high fucking it's a number. high number but i mean it's a they gave themselves a gap they mm -hmm. didn't just place the number yeah. but of course him himself claimed a specific number which was 37 and mm -hmm. of course i don't know if that number had meaning because sometimes there's always like a serial killer there's I, always some kind of emotional meaning to a number i um, i honestly think after these five murders that he just laid low and his time frame there was always the extra shit after that but his specific time frame was 1960 to 1970s mm -hmm. um a lot of shit had kept going after that time frame yes due to his influence due to his parts mm -hmm. and and there were some things that were discovered before the first murder that we didn't really get into like the desktop poem and things like that it's like i said yeah. There's so much information in this mm -hmm. case. This is all we genuinely know about him. There's a lot extra shit to it, but it doesn't... It involves him, but it's not mm -hmm. directly tied to him. Like, there's the call-in to the TV station. That's there's... Yeah. There's the Halloween card. That's what we're going to do in part two, because, like, this is just as a result of him. Yeah. This is the stuff we know that is completely confirmed. Mm-hmm true crime like mm -hmm. real stuff like like i have mentioned before there was it went on for years after that there was a bunch of extra stuff in between these time frames i mean in between 
1969, and I mean, in between, uh, from the beginning of December all the way to October, even into March of 1970, there was a lot of stuff that had happened in between all of the stuff that was actually not directly tied to him, mm-hmm. but had involved him. Yeah, even during my research, I had come across a theory that the first two attacks and the last two attacks were done by two different people. Oh, yeah. But... All to de- all attacks together are still attributed to be quote unquote confirmed zodiac. The zodiac, yeah, which is th- still a question. I, uh, and then also in the next episode, we'll bring up the fifty-year anniversary of the zodiac killer murders, mm-hmm. where there were separate investigations done to see if they could still break the case. Yep solve the investigation might add you because you know with modern day technology we love to rewind the time machine Mm -hmm. open the vaults and see if with our modern technology and our uh superior level of education in the investigation teams now crack open some dusty old books that we can solve shit we've done this with everybody we've done this with the zodiac we've done this with hh holmes Mm -hmm. we've done this with who is another serious significant Serial killer that we've reopened cases for. Uh, Jack the Ripper Jack was just Ripper. reopened not too long ago. Oh yeah, uh, Albert Fish. We did a rehistory on. Like they, lo- we just love to do that because like all of this stuff has so many questions because mm-hmm. at that time I know in in sixty nine and seventies, we had some decent technology. We could mm-hmm. solve decent crimes, but it's also twenty nineteen. And where we have DNA analysis. Oh and you could blink an eyelash mm-hmm. off at a crime scene and they could pull up the day Your you were entire born <laughs> with that one eyelash. They couldn't do that then. Mm-hmm. They definitely had a lot of shit that they had then compared to H.H. H. Holmes when it was the Dark Ages, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we still reopened. America's first serial killer. Mm-hmm. Well first widely known. But that was the Dark Ages. There was no way. They could have just pulled a man off the street and pinned him for those crimes. Absolutely. Now, the 70s was different. We wanted to actually hold somebody accountable for Mm -hmm. their shit. Um, But there's so much extra (sighs) hook and line and sinker that is involved in this. Yeah, as we said, um, our next part Mm -hmm. is going to be going over suspects. Suspects. Specifically, the man Arthur Lee Allen. Um, which, which is up in the air still at this point. Yeah, up in the air, um, but me and you, I, I think we agree that he is... It's reasonable. It's very reasonable. There's so much. And then what we'll also go over, um, I wouldn't say modern day copycat killers, but... Um, in the recent mm, 20 year copycat killers, 20 mm-hmm. years recent, um, the um, past 20 years, also a whole other list of suspects for the Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the extra stuff that had gone down in the time frame of the Zodiac yep. that people were pinning on him, which mm-hmm. now have all come out as not actually being him. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything else. There's a lot of other random victims that had died in that time frame that were not ultimately done by him, where we will bring up as well. Well, I think that concludes um, Zodiac Killer Part 1. Part 1! Absolutely. Uh, If you guys... Hopefully our equipment next time won't try to kill us. Yeah. (laughs) But you guys can find us on Instagram at podcast underscore cemetery Mm -hmm. and at Twitter at... Podcast Cemetery. Podcast Cemetery. Um, for listening platforms, if you guys don't want to listen on Anchor, we are also on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Radio Public, TuneIn, CastBox, and I believe that there's one or two more that I can't remember right now. That's a, <laughs> it's a lot. Anywhere you listen. Mm-hmm. Basically. You free listening sites, paid listening sites, mm-hmm. anything. Um, we also just want to say thank you for everybody who has continued listening at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Whether you want to bail out now, call it a day, don't come <laughs> back, 
you know, enjoying your time. We We're respect just you happy being that you here. stopped by. Thanks for being here for 15 seconds or the whole hour. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to come back and continue with part two with us and also at any of our future endeavors, we are very spooky people. Halloween will be a very hot time for mm -hmm. us. It's going to be we fun. We are also very weird people. So we will also like on your Valentine's Day, we'll bring up more murders. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, we're not, we're, we're trying not to bore you. Um, please inform us if we are bored. And also if you have any ideas, we also have a podcast email. It is podcastcemetery at gmail.com if you yes. would like to hear something from us. Email us suggestions, suggestions comments, questions, comments, anything questions, that you guys have. Concerns, annoyances, mm. anything. I want to hear it. I love the tea. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, make sure you tune in on Wednesday for Zodiac Killer Part 2. Part 2. Part 2. Yeah. Right. Bye. Good Have night. a great time. Have a great time. I'm surprised that that stayed under an hour.